man who put Clanfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. So, a very good day. Welcome, everybody. It's the 27th of June. I can't believe I've just said that. 27th of June. And outside of uh, the house, we have most of Spain's workforce who are putting natural gas in and around the area. So, um, I've seen about six diggers go by. There's the JCB GT, which is zooming up and down and uh, you might just hear some background noise but anyway um weather wise we are a little cloudier we have maybe a little respite today it's been roasting hot absolutely roasting hot it probably will burn off and come back again later in the day so into the airplane we'll fly about two and a half hours and land at uh, don's favorite airport John Lennon Airport, who, by the way, John joined George. Uh, no, he didn't. He joined P- Paul. <laughs> but I'm getting a, getting a bit ahead of myself here. But at Glastonbury over the weekend. So let's find out what the Don saw it. So first of all, did you see that? I I try and avoid Glastonbury. Uh, I, I, I know it's a great event and everyone has a great time. But it's not my sort of thing. But um, I watched uh, McCartney, Paul McCartney, and he, were, he was great. I watched a bit of him. I fell asleep, actually. But I'm going to watch that. I've got it on catch-up. Uh, I fell asleep because he did um, something like one of his Beatles hits, and the whole crowd was singing. Then he did another one, all down to Jimmy's farm, down to Jimmy's farm, down, down, and nobody knew it. And they're all sort of preaching, you know, wondering what was happening. But apparently, that's where Jimmy's Farm or something is where it's at. Okay. Glastonbury, yeah, I, I, I believe. I don't know. I didn't see much of him. Um, I turned it on now and again, and I'd get some girls screaming and squawking. Uh, you, you see, I blame Michael Jackson. He started all this off, you know. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Oh, oh. Looking at the man in the mirror, it's not like he's having an orgasm. But, uh, you know, when I look at the man in the mirror, I'm not impressed at all. <laughs> but, um, you know, that that's the thing. But uh, last night, I switched it on on the way to bed, and they had the Pet Shop Boys, who I think are great, great, the Pet Shop Boys. Massive. I'm a big fan. I'm not a fan of people, as I said, but I like the Pet Shop Boys very much. All this stuff's good. So I thought, oh, it's not too bad, this. Um, but I've got to watch Paul McCartney because he, he stormed the place and did two and a half hours. Mm. You know, the fella's 80. That wants a bit of doing. Two and a half hours, you know, we're fantastic. So we'll come back to Glastonbury a little bit later because I, yeah. I, I, I preempted things, actually. It was my fault. Uh, yeah, again, again, your yeah, fault. I yeah, know, I know. The thing is, it's like <laughs> lots going on. I, as I say, I've got these gas men 
Jumping Jack, Flash, and all, all the, the rest of them, they're all outside just making a row. So I'm distracted this morning. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, so, strikes. Yeah. We've just heard the barristers are going on strike. This is this is this morning's this morning's news, because people are getting help. Uh, the, the poorer people are getting help, so the barristers aren't getting their fees. I mean, barristers, for goodness' sake, it's got to be the the easiest job in the world, a barrister, because you can't lose. If you lose the case, you still get paid. You know, anybody that you know, it, it, to me, it's just a joke. Um, and the, the BBC Newswatch have received complaints about the biased news reporting from the BBC and the, and the ITV. You know, these train strikes, I mean, it's all, oh, it's terrible. The public, oh, they've got to do this. The public, oh, they've got to get to work. It's awful. You see, it's all one-sided. Let's know why they're going. Let's let's have a look at the salaries that the bosses are getting, because that's what it's about. The workers are doing the job and the bosses are getting all the money. They've just had something like a 30% rise, I believe. I don't know much about it. But you see, the, the BBC, it's all, oh, and they're down at the station. How are, you, how are you handling this? Oh, well, and a lot of people are saying, well, you know, if they're not getting paid, they're not getting paid. But the BBC are trying to make a big issue of it. And this was the complaint they had on Newswatch because, you know, it's news when it's depressing and, and people are suffering. But, but I had to laugh. Barristers going on strike, for goodness sake. You know, it's just a joke. The whole thing's a joke. Well, I hadn't, should... um, I hadn't heard about the barristers going on strike. Yeah, this morning, it was on this morning. But, yeah. but I did know, of course, because I've been watching uh, the news uh, like, like you'd expect me to um, and seeing these people who uh, are all striking for about 7 or 8%, which, of course, is ridiculous. Um, at this particular point in time. But yeah, yeah. Um, one or two of the people that are writing comments have said that these people, the train drivers in particular, um, are on about £70,000 a, a year, which is not not bad money. Um, I, mean, well, I don't know about that. I think uh, what, what's happened, why, why they're striking, I think there's been a lot of money come in and it's, most of it's gone to the buses. I don't know about the train drivers. I don't know what hours. I don't know much about it, you know. But you don't get that side of the story, you know. We don't know how much how much is involved and how much the the average guys on. Because they were saying the the the, the, the morning they're on forty grand a year or something, and the nurse is only on thirty grand a year. You know, who's more important? That's what they're saying. But we don't know. They don't they don't clarify it. You know, they're trying to make you think one way, which, you know, you don't see the other side of the story somehow. Well, you know my feelings. I think the whole thing's contrived. I certainly believe that if you've only going to give somebody 1% as a rise, um, then if you're going to give the bo the bosses a massive rise, you're always going to build resentment. And I think um, if you're going to get 1% of your boss's salary and then compare that to 1% of the ordinary person's salary, um, then, you, you know, there's already a differential. So to give the boss a massive amount is A, morally wrong, and B, uh, economically wrong. Because I think, 
you just fuel this uh, pyramid. It's just going to go up, uh, and the top guys are always going to have more and more and more. And I think it's wrong. That's right. Well, they never ask what do they. I've always said this. Well, I, I worked in local government. What do you do? What do they do for the money? You know, they're responsible for this and responsible. But what do they do? The workers do the work, basically. You know, and, and they're on a third, or we were on a third of, of what the boss was on. And, you know, but what does he do? If they tell you what they did, then you'd say, oh, well, I'll do this. You know, the workers do this. like the railway, where they do the work, don't they? The bosses sit in the office and, uh, oh, yes, you know, we're, we're all very important and all this. But uh, it's it's pathetic. But you don't know, you see. That's the, the news just mention the strikes. The strikes are gone and everyone's struggling. They can't get anywhere they want to go. But, you know, well, why? Tell us why. Tell us why they're on strike, what the money's involved, what, what, why, you know, they don't get that. It's just all this. And that was what they were complaining about on, on of course, of course, the BBC come on. Oh, well, we think we've got it right, as always. So that's all right then, you know. But it, it is annoying. Because and it's all the time you turn the television, and it's all the time is negative news and people who are ill yeah. in hospital, which is terrible. But you don't want to watch that first thing in the morning. Give us the news, you know. Anyway, I, I think it's I, I think it's an onslaught to try and depress people. I always think um, when we go back to when first of all they had breakfast TV. I remember I. I resisted it for a short while because basically I thought, well, there's enough news, you know. And then well, then we start with breakfast TV. And then, of course, it's gone to 24 hours news. And yeah, you yeah. see, it was always going to suffer with quality, wasn't it? Well, that's the trouble. There isn't enough news to fill the 24 hours. That's the trouble. And they're scraping for stuff. They're looking for stuff. They're sending reporters out, you know, overseas you know, sit at a desk and tell us the news like they used to. Oh, what I do, I, I look at the, at the red button. I press the red button and it comes up at the side and I read it. It takes me five, ten minutes to read the, the news of here and all over the world. That's it, done. Yeah. You know, know what's going on. That's all I need. You know, but you get all this stuff and it's, oh, let's go over to here and over to there and, you know, it's so and so and all. And... and I, I don't know. It's just it's just because they've they've got to fill the time in, and as I say, they've just built this new five million pound studio, the BBC, to to walk around. The newsreader's walking around. He walks about half a mile when he's doing the news. You know, it's just it's just stupid. You know, and we're paying for it. That's what upsets me. You know, it's coming out the fee, out of my license fee, which really upsets me, which I won't go into again because I keep saying it. But well, it I does mean, upset me. But, but, you know. by, by the time you, you've taken in the individual overpaid salaries like Gary Lineker, for the quick example, uh, take all those overpaid salaries, take all the people that are going out on location who don't need to be out on location, and and you'll soon realise that the, the BBC is just being used as a tool to uh, min be manipulative, whichever way that particular news editor particularly wants to present uh, the world. That's what they do. I mean, I remember you were talking about what does the boss do. When I worked at the college and um, we, we used to have meetings, OK, so obviously we'd all be getting our information together and the principal 
used to just go to meetings. So he'd get in his um, nice big Volvo and he'd go from our college and he'd go up to Wade Bridge and he'd go down to the main college in, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was a nice sort of pleasant drive. Look at all the fields and all the nice things that Cornwall has to offer en route. The occasional traffic jam, get to a meeting, um, sit at one end of the table, have a nice lunch and then go to the next meeting. I mean, that's what the life was. But I will say in his sort of defence that, um, you know, one of my jobs was also to, um, you know, when I became a manager, I had to go to meetings. And sometimes it isn't as pleasant as you think it is, but... Um, that's when you get a little bit more money than the other people. By all means, uh, you know, when you, you're like a junior manager, but when you get the top end, ugh, I mean, ridiculous money, but just driving your car around. Um, I think the countries run like that. If you think about it, um, what do you do? You go to Devon, uh, you go to Ox- Oxford or Cambridge, and then um, you come out with top degree, uh, go and sit doing something that you've never done before uh, as head of department or, you know, if you're going to be a minister or something in government, uh, you get paid top whack for, for somebody who doesn't know much about what they're doing. Um, the system's all wrong, isn't it? Well, it always has been, hasn't it? It always has been, really. You know, I'm not bothered, really, about it. It's just that... You know, I want to watch the news. I want to watch interesting news on the telly and, and stuff. And it isn't. It's all doom and gloom. And they look for the negative side of everything. You know, it's 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 it's, it's rubbish. You know, and I don't watch. I turn it on in the morning. And go, oh, not again. And, and I, I turn it off. And ITV's gone. Just I, ITV's just lost it totally. You know, it's. Uh, I don't even watch that now. It, it, they're, all, they're all talking at the same time. Big long desk, there's three of them all talking at the same time, interviewing some bloke who's some MP is trying to say something. I just switch it off. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's of no interest to me. At well, all. I, I think that they've probably got that from Spain because Spain has a lot of programs like that where people um, they just talk over other people. And, uh, yeah. you know, before you know where you are, there's, um, there's just a, a babble. You know, in fact, the gas men have now stopped, by the way. And we've got we've got a load of cleaners have come and they've got machines going uh, at the next building. Anyway, um, enough of that. Uh, if you're going to pee in the sea in Galicia, up in the northwest of Spain, it's going to cost you about six hundred and fifty euros. So yeah. interesting. That's that's what you you were referring to, I think, wasn't it? That's right. I didn't know where it was. I heard it on the the, the lunchtime uh, Jeremy Vine show when I was driving back from Wales and I couldn't stop laughing, to be honest. I thought, how are they going to, how are they going to get this over? How are they going to judge this and and, and carry out the the law? You know, Uh, someone wrote in and suggested, well, maybe they'd look at the look of relief on people's faces when they're (laughs) in the water. (laughs) And, uh, And, I was interested. I was thinking, you know, you can't pee in the sea. It's against the law now. And uh, I mean, who comes up with these ideas? What's going to be interesting is when a whale doesn't pay its fine, it's 600 euros. How are they going to get that into court? And then I thought, well, there's a show right there. Mm. Walt Disney. <laughs> the, 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 
the peeing whale <laughs> going to court. But you see, you're right. They, they never, ever mention the fact that every blessed fish in the ocean <laughs> will right. be having a pee. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see if anybody ever gets gets a fan for that. But in actual fact, there's a whole raft of things. Uh, so, for example, um, I've got something up on my website which is talking about waking up before everyone to reserve a sun lounger with a towel. Um, now, that has actually now been given a, a £25 fine. And they showed you this picture in the hotel in Tenerife. And, uh, you know, uh, these officials from the hotel coming out, taking everybody's towel off the sun loungers and dumping them all, you know, in a big pile. So, I mean, I think that's not a bad idea. But the, fo- the thought that you can find somebody for doing it is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, somebody yeah. just come back I, and say, I've, I, ju- I've, I've, just, I've just put my towel down and gone to the sea or something, you know. I remember when I was on holiday that this is not new. This is when I was early 20s, when I used to go away with the lads to Spain. You know, the Germans were, were uh, a lot of the um, culprits doing it. And they, they, they'd get up six o'clock in the morning and get the get the sun by their towel on it. And I remember one lad getting up and uh, walking around, taking all the towels up and throwing them all in the pool, <laughs> which, was, which was a good laugh. But, uh, yeah, well, it's self, isn't it? It's selfish. It, uh, it didn't bother me because I never bothered with sun lounges. But, um, you know, I don't know. what it, To get fined for doing it's very silly. I mean, oh, I don't know. I don't, well, I don't know what the answer is, really. It's, it's, well, the answer is, the answer is nonsense. I mean, pe- people yeah. pee in the sea. They always have done. They always will do. You're not yeah. going to see anybody doing it. So, you know, unless you're going to put dye in the whole of the Mediterranean, for example... Uh, so that when somebody does uh, have a pee, then, you, you know, uh, and then you go around spotting little red patches or something. I don't know. Uh, so well, they'd have to take a sample, but that would be taking the pee. <laughs> it would. It'd cost a few pee as well. Um, Don, uh, th- there's another couple of things that are interesting in this, because, for example, if you had a long night's drinking and you go to sleep on the beach and you wake up um, uh, o- o- hungover, that can cost you a fine of about thirteen hundred euros now, so uh, that's yeah. I mean, the thing is, yeah. I mean, you can't have people just sort of um, just going to sleep on the beach drunk because before you know where you are, you know it's going to become commonplace. So uh, no, I I can see a bit of sense in that one. And then if you go and shower on the beach, but uh, you take your shampoo. And you're standing oh, on yeah. the beach putting soap. Yeah. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing either, because uh, quite honestly, uh, the uh, the chemicals in the products are, are not particularly good. But um, you've just come out the sea. You're going to be wet. You're going to have, you know, your, your hair. Just, just put it sort of a bit of water on top. I mean, you don't need all that sort of stuff. Uh, walking around the streets with only swimwear on, and uh, that will be about 250 pounds for a fine now i've got to say i mean i didn't know any of this this is good stuff well the thing is you see uh, these are the sorts of things that the bbc again have done half the job or a quarter of the job they've taken the the funny bit to make everybody look stupid without realizing that there are serious things like for example you know there is something intrinsically a little bit not right about somebody walking around town if you go front line 
you've gone from the beach to get a quick beer and, you know, come off uh, the, and then back to the beach. I don't see that's a problem. But when you see people walking around town like a nudist colony and you've got your kids with you, then, yes, I can understand why they might want to sort of stop that. But, I mean, basically, an awful lot of the Brits go across to other countries, especially I can talk about Spain, and they behave in a way that they wouldn't really want to be found behaving in in their own country. Although it yeah. seems to be now an awful lot of young people seem to think they can do what they like where they where they want to do it. And I think that um, that is something I think Britain needs to address because it's not given us the best reputation, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, see, to me, yeah, I always remember the Benny Hill sketch many years ago where they had, um, he, he's on the beach on this sun lounger and these girls are walking past with their little bikinis on. And then this other girl goes past and goes up the steps with a skirt on and all the blokes are trying to look up the skirt, you know, which is, when you think about it, it's very strange, isn't it? Because, you know, you're seeing everything anyway. And then because there's a skirt covering it, you've got to see underneath the skirt, which will bring us to the next thing now, which we're going to talk about. It's very strange. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I didn't know that about walking through the streets mm. in Spain. Yeah, well, as, a, as, as you see, you've probably got the same thing in, in England. Uh, I mean, I remember down in Cornwall, Obviously, when people used to come down to Newquay, they came down in a frame of mind, which seemed to be like, uh, once we've got past the Devon border, we can be as ridiculous and stupid as we like. Now, we used to have a, a weekend when people used to drive around um, with these water powered water pistols. Um, I forget what the weekend was called, but, you know, you'd be walking down the road. So, say, for example, you're going to a business meeting, and you've got a load of hippies in a car who basically aren't doing anything. So they're driving round and just soaking everybody who's walking round, just doing what you have to do on a normal everyday basis. Um, it's not really very clever when you think about it. You know, if you're out and you have to present yourself yeah. in your shop or your business or whatever, and you've got all these people firing water pistols at you, it's a little bit wearying after, you know, the first time it's happened. Um and then, you know, we do and we did get an awful lot of people who would, they behave totally out of character when they come on holiday. So living in tourist towns, you get used to it, but it doesn't mean to say it becomes acceptable, you know. And I think that that is something that, um, you know, yeah, I can understand aspects of it. Say no more, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Interesting, actually. I didn't really. I haven't been to Spain, you see, for years and years. But uh, so I don't know. You know, when I was there, it was every. It was all topless and God knows what else. You know, which you just got used to it. You know, in the end. Well, I, uh, I, I was given a, um, one of my English classes up in Lanuthia, which is you know the town I used to live in, and um, I, I was asked by one of the students, "Why are the English people always so drunk and out of control. And I said, well, this is not really representative of all English people. No, no it isn't. Sad no. Sadly, it's a, a, a number of people who seem to come across to Benidorm in particular and act in a certain way. And they become totally and utterly, um, they are out of control. 
And, uh, you know, it's not just the English. I mean, I've seen the Belgian do it. I've seen the Germans do it and the Dutch do it. Um, but you don't find it as much with the French and the Spanish themselves, you see. So it was... <laughs> the thing is, they're not the problem, are they? The problem is the publicity they get. You see, the, again, the media give them the publicity because not everybody is like that. You just got a bunch of blokes who, who are a nuisance and they get the publicity because the cameras are right there. Or See, it's as if everybody's doing it and, and they're not. You know, most people are fine. It's the same here in this country. You know, the idiots get the... Get, well, we'll talk about that later. The idiots get the publicity. Mm. And it's not the idiots that are the problem. It's the it's the media. Because all it does, when you when you see a load of drunk drunken lads doing stupid things, it gives other people ideas. You know, other idiots' ideas. That puts ideas in their head. You know, that's how I see it. So the media, instead of just ignoring them, because the only reason half of them are, are being stupid if they see cameras is to get themselves on the telly, you know, which is... Well, well the, the, the Benidorm front line has changed immensely. It really does look very nice at the moment. And they're yeah. trying to, they are trying to clean up the image. It's supposed to be a family resort. You've got all the older people come uh, normally about, say, June, July and August. You get the real, um, you know... Well, the, the heat of the season, you get the silly ones coming along. And you'd walk down the front and there's a bar called, I think it was called Daytona. Now, I don't know if it's in the same place because things are changing, but it was like an overspill from a bar. And there were always about five or six totally out of it acting stupid. And say 50% of the time it was funny, 50% of the time it wasn't funny. You know, yeah. um, it was a bit threatening. And I can remember one particular time I was walking through town and uh, there were three or four lads with uh, Manchester United shirts on and um, I had my Liverpool shirt on. And I thought, right, OK, well, I've got to be a little bit sensible here. I'm going to walk a little bit further away from these four people because if I'd gone past them, Don, I know what would have happened. Yeah, you know, you yeah. would have had a confrontation. And, uh, I mean, I can only remember, we used to have a, a Spanish guy used to do this. I think he was a Spanish guy. Um, and he was very funny because people sat in the bar to watch what he did. And as people went by, he would uh, let them go past him, and then he'd follow them, mimicking their actions. So, again, yeah, yeah. you see, um, lots of people thought it was really funny, and the odd one would turn round and <laughs> give him a right earful or, you know, practically threatening abuse or physical violence at him. But in fact, it was actually a very funny thing to sit and watch because he said nothing. All he did was he copied exactly the way somebody was walking. <laughs> you know, it was really, really quite funny, that one. Anyway, <laughs> so um, you, you're not going to come and have a pee in the sea in uh, Spain? No, no. It's too cold anyway, <laughs> the water. I, I'm not into sort of sea swimming uh, unless I've got a wee wetsuit on. <laughs> I watched a guy last night. Uh, I, I live now about um, half a mile from the sea, so I can walk down to the Mediterranean. And I watched this guy, and where you, probably, if you're like me, you will sit, swim uh, parallel to the shore. This guy goes horizontal it goes straight out to sea it must have swum out at least half a mile and then yeah. came, come back in um no that again you see they, they found a guy uh he was somebody who was 70 they didn't give 
his nationality, but he was found face down in a pool. Obviously, um, whatever had happened, you know, had happened. And the emergency services were warning people, you know, if they're going to swim, if you're going to swim in the sea, make sure somebody's keeping an eye on you, you know. Um, yeah. 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 Interesting. How to behave at the seaside. Well, yeah, and they should have, somebody should invent a small, maybe they have, life jacket, something, you know, even if you're a good swimmer, you can get you can get caught out, you yeah. know, in, in the sea. Uh, and, you know, and you do, you get a lot of people drown, and here as well. Mm. I mean, here, at Christmas, they swim in the river, in the Mersey. You know, I mean, it's freezing cold, mm. but, you know, it's it's supposed to be good for your health. Yes, okay then, you can have that. Forget well, that, it. That's, that's a guy called Wim Hof, who's on TV at the moment, but I, I've been following him for quite a while. Uh, he's the guy who is behind Novak Djokovic, and oh, yeah. and Djokovic was saying, I don't want to put any um, uh, vaccination into me because I do these extreme things to keep my health. And, I mean, um, whether or not uh, this is totally right, uh, there is there's a lot of evidence that if you swim in cold, um, you know, take cold showers, swim in cold water, uh, you do actually give yourself a vitality that um, maybe other people don't have. I mean, the jury's probably out on it because this guy is sort of, you know, a bit fringe. But um, I mean, Djokovic, he's a bit special. Um, he certainly knows how to um, keep going for three hours on a, on a tennis court, you know. Well, everyone's different, aren't they? You see, yes. some people are doing get pneumonia. Exactly. You know, it's, everyone's different. You see, you see, Djokovic again is is well, he's great. You know, he is a special player, isn't he? Yeah, looking forward to Wimbledon. Actually, It'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're going next to uh, Fasibuki. Upskirting. Yeah. This is the latest thing. This is uh, Facebook have been criticised. For not fine, for not banning it, because there's blokes taking photographs up ladies' skirts and putting the photographs on Facebook, which is disgraceful. You know, I mean, you've got to be a real perv to do that. Yeah. And they had one pic. They don't show the pictures, obviously, but they they showed one old guy doing it. There's a girl in the supermarket reaching up the shelves, and this old guy behind her takes a photograph up his skirt. I mean, on camera. <laughs> what an idiot. You know, there's, there's cameras looking at him. I thought, dearie me, are you going to take some stick? But you see, again, uh, you look at, like you say, there's girls on the beach wandering around with a piece of string in between the cheeks of the backside. Yeah. You know, and, and they walk around the streets with skirts just below the, the, the panty line. You know, I must say, you can't say they're asking for it because they can dress how you like. But you know what I mean? We're looking at millions of years of evolution. That's what blokes are like. You can't help looking at an attractive girl. You can't help it, you know, no matter who you are. And it's as the, uh, and it will happen for another million years because that that's why we're all here, you know, because of that, the attraction of a, of a, a man to a woman, woman to a man. And... I'm not saying it's right at all. Upskirting is wrong. It's completely. disgusting. It's disgusting, Don. Disgusting. I'm just hoping it doesn't encourage upkilting. I don't think <laughs> I could stand that. I could not stand that, thank you very much. But, uh, no, I think this is the problem. And I was watching the tennis 
from Queens. And the girls are wearing very short skirts. And they're waiting to serve, and the back of the skirt blows up. You know, so, you know, what is it with them? Wear shorts, you know, if you don't want people to be, blokes to be looking at you. You know, that's the trouble with it. There's two sides to the story. You know, up kilting is dis- it's disgusting, and and I can't see the point of it really. You know, there's the, you know, really. But blokes are like that, aren't they? Blokes look at women, attractive well, women. Well, they are. Uh, well, they are. Hmm? Look, f- Facebook is hypocritical, like so yeah. uh, so much of the right. of the internet, because basically, um, I, I don't uh, do anything on a, on Facebook to, to to make anything sort of come to me. Um, and yes, I get propositioned every single day of the week. I, I don't know whether it's probably because you know, I, I use rocking and uh, people think immediately rock and roll out of control, all that sort of stuff. And it's ridiculous. But I mean, seriously, Facebook do not stop that side of it. So the girls can um, put the, themselves in the frame, if you like. Um, but that does not still give the right for any single bloke. I don't care who he is to put a camera uh, underneath a girl's skirt. I mean, they're addressing this on the um, the soaps as well. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, I really can't understand the generation that's growing up to want to uh, put a, f- a camera, which, of course, is now the phone. Um, f- take a photograph of, uh, of a, 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 any girl or, or lady or whatever, any female, and then put it on the Internet um, yeah. So that other people can all sort of laugh and and maybe the perverts will get a thrill out of it. Uh, you need you need to go and see a psychiatrist if you want right. to do things like that. The thing uh, is, you're only seeing a pair of knickers which you're seeing on the beach, aren't you? You're not, you're not seeing any. You know, it's I don't. It's pathetic. It really is pathetic to do it and. In the well, the Facebook have decided. Oh yes, they they're deciding now to ban it. But it's wrong, you know. In fact, they should show the blokes doing it. Show that's what face. they should really do. They should yeah, that, name that's, and shame. But, yeah, but, shame. But but again, you see, I mean, the 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 world is inverted as well as being perverted. It's inverted now, so that you know people who basically. Um, should know better. It seemed to be doing exactly the opposite of something that in the past would have been jumped upon and and prohibited. These days, uh, I mean, you know, for example, there's uh, we mentioned the beach a bit earlier. Um, there's a, I think it was sixty thousand uh, bursary has just been given to a student to study um, the pantomime, not the pantomime, I beg your pardon, the um, Punch and Judy. To see oh, to see yeah. whether it's racist. I mean, oh, do, yeah. I mean, the ah. thing is, where's it going ah. to end? Seriously, it has gone. It's gone so stupid. There are things that in the past, like I mean, we're talking about this upskirting. You see, you shouldn't even need to discuss it. It is not right. It is not a healthy. And to be honest with you, any bloke who's doing that, you need to go and see a psychiatrist very, very quickly. Get out, get out of my company. I don't want to know anybody like that. I, I, that's how I feel about people like that. They're, they're just yep. uh, the weird and wicked. Well, <laughs> as, as, as I've said, though, they're not the problem. The yeah. problem is the, the publicity they get. You see, this is, this is the trouble. You see, 
what what we look at is is people whinging and whining about they can't get the train, they can't get this. See, they're not problems. Problems are like that kiddie that drowned. The, the, like it was a school, we're doing a, swimming in a pool in a pond, and one of the kiddies drowned. He found the body. That's a problem. That's a, a real problem, and that got about oh, 15 seconds on the news. The child's body was found that further down the river. That's a problem. You know, that, that, that family will be going to hell and back. That's, that's, but, and it's, and we're all, it's all about these poor people who can't, the car won't start in the morning. They're not problems. You know, and, and I like to say the upskirting, they're making news on this. It's not really a problem. Show who's doing it. Show their face. They've got the supermarket cameras. Have a close-up of the face. This fella's she puts cameras up girls' skirts. See, that, that's what you should do. But then again, why do the girls have to wear such short skirts? You know, uh, I know they can wear what they like, which is what they'll say. You see, you have a programme on the telly, Love Island, I mean, it's all That's, sex. It's pornography, that one. Oh, that, no, that I is don't a, watch it's it. A, I see bits of it. Well, no, I, I, mean, saw, I saw the, I saw the um, trailers for it, and then I saw Michael yeah, Owen's right. daughter is in it. Um, but I would not, on principle, watch those type of programmes. I didn't when I was younger, because basically, you know, I have a healthy life, and uh, I think I have a healthy attitude to most things. And if you want to sort of watch perverted people doing perverted things, um, you know, the, the, the TV is now one way you can do it, just on ordinary programming. There used to be people like Murray Whitehouse, which people used to scoff at and uh, ridicule. And she was right, because the trouble is, you see, you draw a line. It's like a teacher. Whenever I was in the school, if you don't tell the kids, that line is where we disagree. I am a teacher, you are a student, but they, they, they don't do that anymore. They want to be friends with the students. They want to all be pally-pally. Yeah. And yeah. you've got so many instances every single day of the week that you pick up a newspaper of a teacher having sex with one of the students. What's that all about? You know, it means yeah. that, the, that, the, that the teacher, to me, the teacher has probably gone straight from school to college hasn't understood anything really about life and now wants the cake and they want to eat it. So, sorry, you know, I think that the whole thing is totally and utterly... It's about the same uh, level for me as watching Boris Johnson on the TV. We used to have statesmen. We used to have people that would represent our countries. They'd go to all these big meetings and you'd think, gosh, you know, he's at least... Uh, he's representing our country. Boris... Lies, cheats. I, I'm not a. I don't like Keir Starmer either, by the way. So I'm not against um, any particular aspect of of anything other than what I'm saying. When you go to see your prime minister, you want to see somebody who you would never ever find out who's been stealing or doing the things that all these people seem to get involved with. And we've got Prince Charles picking up. Um, suitcases full of money from the Qatari guy. Um, and it just so happens that they've won the rights to the World Cup when everybody knows damn well if somebody doesn't die from the heat playing football in that country, I'll be very, very surprised. It's all, yeah. the, the world's gone stupid. 
Well, he's, he has donated the million pounds to charity, and he'll give him that. Well, you could say that, you see. The thing yeah, is, yeah. we well, don't yeah, know, do we? It's uh, cash, isn't it? It's cash. Of course. And cash tends to wander around in different directions, you know, which we all know. I know, but you see, the thing is, with it, reporting on stuff, what they should report, like, like the kid that drowned, that should have been heavily reported to prevent it happening again. They don't seem to do that. You know, why Why did the kid drown? Who's responsible? Let's sort that problem out. But they're sorting out the problem with railway people who can't get the train. That's not a problem. You know, if you can't get the train, bloody well walk. You know, but it's, it's you see, that's the trouble with the news. And, and I thought of this, this poor family, it was, so, it was only about 10, the kid, you know, he drowned in this, in this river and they found the body a mile further down the river. He got washed away. You know, that shouldn't happen. And that should be reported and, and, and strongly to prevent it happening again. This is how I see it all. But they don't do that. It's, oh, yeah, and then, that, then it's next, the next bit of news, you know. And, and the, the, the news is awful. It's, it's just rubbish. Well, you know, I don't know well, who's again, in charge. Uh, you know, when we used to watch the news, it used to be read to us by people who we really be we, we, we would probably have say we respected yeah um, right. y- you know when you uh, look at those uh, really really top class broadcasters they spoke well they read the news and they um, they really kept their opinions very very hidden they gave us the news these days it's almost as if you know they can't give you the news without expressing an opinion so therefore, if that's the case, that's right. the bosses are going to look for people who give the opinions that they want to give. That's what they do. That's right, yeah. That's a good point. Good point, mate. Thank you. I feel, I feel yeah. better about that. <laughs> um, actually, we, we could really go on about um, Glastonbury again because I'm just looking at something which has come up on today's news, which, uh, again, um, I feel a little bit offended by this because... Um, you've got this thing about, um, you know, the abortion rights and everything, which is a very difficult, very, very difficult topic. Um, yeah. I mean, look, if my mum and your mum had both decided to go ahead with abortion, we wouldn't be talking today. I'm yeah. indebted to my mother. I don't care how many things she might have done wrong in her life. I'm probably very little knowing my mum. My wife, the same. My My sister's the same. I think women are uh, really forgotten for what they do for the way they do things and the way they have done things in the past. Uh, By all means, they should never have been unequal, but you can become too equal in one respect, which is basically if you overdo the equality bit and then you become a superior, and then if you become superior, then you stand up to be shot down again. And I think, uh, for example, in sport, with the transgender thing that's happening, you've now got too many people who seem to be um, trying to put transgender in the way of women's rights. You know, for example, if you've got the football and um, uh, you've got, you know, a big airy person comes in and wants to play for the ladies team and in the swimming and in the cycling the same it means that the ladies are now you you know they're under pressure again from a different angle but looking at this um a rapper on tv 
wearing a crown of thorns with false oh. blood trickling down. Um, I saw that this morning. I have yeah. to say, you see, that offends me as a Christian because what I believe in, whether or not people want to believe the same thing as me, if anybody, if what we believe in is correct, if any one man did what he did for us to have a future, then, it, you know, if they did that to uh, Mohammed, they'd have all the Muslims around the world would be kicking off. But the yeah. Christians take it time and time yeah. again. And these idiots who, I mean, they're supposed to be pop stars, but they, they, they've gone further now. They're, they're political activists. And, you know, by all means, say things away from Glastonbury. But for goodness sake, you're now making Glastonbury another political stage. That's the problem. That's right, that's right, yeah. As I say, I, I don't I don't like big concerts. I, I've seen the Eagles, and quite frankly, I'd rather have watched them on the on the telly, on the D, on a DVD. You know, it, it, you go to a great big... They're miles away when you go to these massive stadiums, and there's people getting up in front of you and going to get a drink or going to the, the toilet. You know, you better watch it, and, and you get all the decent angles on the telly. You know, when, when you watch it properly, and I've seen a few big concerts, they don't interest me at all. And Glastonbury, they have a great time, I'm sure they do, but it would not suit me at all. I'm afraid, you know. Well, I think, I, I think the trouble is, I think I, I've done concerts. I'd rather be there, you know. I, I'd rather be taking part in it than watching. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a watcher of bands. I find it boring. You well, know. I think you're the same as me. I, I mean, I'd much rather go to. Uh, I'd rather go and see a couple of um, bands gigging, just normal, doing the gig, looking to see how they work and listening to the banter and the quality of the songs and all that sort of thing. Um, that's what really would appeal to me. Uh, I have seen some big gigs. Um, the very first one I think that I really saw and really liked was James Brown when I was went to Geneva to see that. Yeah. And then I saw him again just before he died when he was in Benidorm, actually. It was at the... Um, at the uh, football uh, club there, and uh, great. I mean, we saw the Rolling Stones, they did a good concert. Uh, Tom Jones was excellent. Um, seen numbers of, you know, really top-class artists. Yeah. But yeah. you are definitely uh, right when you say it's better watching it on TV. That's right, yeah, that's right. You see, I, I'm a participant. I'm not really a, an audience guy. It's like sport. I'd, I'd rather be playing the sport than watching it, you know. I watch the tennis because it's it's exceptional, and the golf perhaps. But you know, I'd rather be I'd rather take part. You know, and same with the band. I'd rather be up there playing than watching. You know, it doesn't sort of watching other bands doesn't interest me really. You know. Well, I must I must admit I don't mind going to see other people playing if there's you know if there's a particular skill that I, that I particularly like to watch. I mean, I went to see uh, there was a duo the other day and uh, very nice. Um, one guy uh, singing in Spanish. He was obviously not a Spanish guy, which was which I was very impressed by. And uh, the lady was a flautist and uh, thought she played it very nicely. Played some unusual songs because of the combination of what they were doing. Um, so yeah, it was nice. But um, I'd much rather go out and do a gig still than go and watch a gig. And certainly um, football, 
yeah, when I was playing, I used to love playing. As soon as really I stopped playing, I'd rather watch it on TV uh, with with somebody, nice bit of company, um, maybe, you know, a drink if, if if that's what you're, the mood is in. But, I mean, really, why go and do all that queuing up and paying exorbitant uh-huh. fees and not really seeing everything yeah. and r- ris- yeah. risking getting injured, both getting there and getting back? That's right. Yeah, pretending you're having a good time. That's the thing, isn't well, it? We're going to yeah. a good time next, aren't we? We're going to a guy that went to Finland. This is the Finland adventure. This is a in- very interesting story, this. It, it's with a fascinating piece in the middle. Uh, back in the start of the century, 2001, um, I was working on BBC Radio Merseyside with Monty Lister, a fellow called Monty Lister who was the first bloke to interview the Beatles on tape. And he's interviewed Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, all the people wrote through the years. And um, there's a guy in 1958, I'd, I'd just started playing the guitar uh, a little bit earlier, and they had a skiffle group on, uh, one of the local cinemas called the Atlantics. And it was the first time I heard an electric guitar played on stage because I was blown away. I thought, oh, this is great, you know. And years later, the guy who was in the Atlantics, a, a, a fellow called John Lomax, um, not no relation to Jackie Lomax, the, the Undertaker fella, the, uh, John Lomax, he, he um, w- became a cinematographer and he won awards for for his cinematography i kept following his story because he was sort of he was an influence on me in, in the very early days i didn't didn't get to know him till later on and he was in that series days that changed the world with donald campbell and he he made he he, he won an award for the film he took because he decided to stay uh, where donald campbell was, was going to come back rather than film the, the run up down the lake and so he thought, I'll get this prime position. So when he comes back in all his glory, I'll, I'll be right in the front. Because he didn't come back, did he, Campbell? Because he turned over and, and crashed. So the story, Days That Changed the World, was based on his film and him. A guy actually played him in it, uh, this big six-foot scouser. Skiffle Jam was about five foot three, by the way, <laughs> and, uh, the, which is quite funny. But I got to know him. I met him again in the 90s, and I didn't recognize him. And he said, uh, you know, I, I used to play in a skiffle group. Uh, and, and I said, oh, God. And I got really friendly with him, and he was a lovely, lovely man, he, uh, gen- gentle and, and generous and he used to make films of the Mersey Cats and the Cheshire Cats, the charity gigs we do, uh, and you know, and give give him a give us a copy. He was a lovely, lovely man. Became a great friend of mine, and and as a as a tribute to him, I um, are we all right for time? By the way, uh, we're okay for another five minutes. Yeah, okay. So uh, as a tribute to him, I wrote a song called "The Story of Skiffle." And uh, we made a record of it. I recorded him in my studio singing this, the story of Skiffle and got it played on the radio for him. And, and, and that was it. It was he, he gave a copy of this to Chas McDevitt. He met him, Chas McDevitt. And Chas McDevitt suggested we go to, you know, send it to the Finland Skiffle Convention. So which is what he did. And 
he said they, they'll they'll have you there. So next thing they, they write back, oh yeah, we we want you to to come and play play at this this concert, you know, top the bill. Wow. I thought, well, well, be a load of drunks in Finland, you know, we go there. I said, well, if you fly us there, put us up and feed and water us, we'll do for now, you know. When I got when we we did this, I got a long story short. We get to Finland, and. It was dead serious. I thought it was going to be like, you know, we had a few practices, took the band together with Skiffle John on the end. He's the only one that knew the words. And we, we ended up, it was like this great big marquee with a thousand people in, all dead serious. They wanted Skiffle. I was thinking, this is it. We've had it. We're, going, we're not going to get out of this in one piece. And, and Skiffle John kept saying, we're going to blow them away. I said, I don't think we are. I, said, I think we're going to be very lucky to get out of it. Anyway, we go on. We eventually go on stage. 11 o'clock at night we went on. And uh, I took my camera up with me. And I said, I love you all so much. I'm going to take a photograph of you all, take you home. Everybody smiled, which they did, and then, and then we got into yeah, we got into Michael Rowe, the boat went down well, sorted it great, thank goodness, you know. Um, so we sorted that out. Uh, next day we got up. This was this was fantastic. Next day we got up on the Sunday. It was on the Sunday, and uh, where I would normally be with Monty, I told him I, I, I wouldn't be there, and I'm in Finland, so. This fella comes up to us and he said, oh, the music was great last night. He said, jump in my car and I'll we'll go to my restaurant. He said, and I'll feed you and entertain you for the day. This is around about lunchtime. I'd had a few by then, needless to say. Anyway, <laughs> we get in his car and he said, it was like, we like rock and roll here. And I said, well, that's what it was last night, but we, we called it Skiffle because there were Skiffle songs, you know, so we're not really a, a Skiffle group as is such. He said, this is the sort of music we like. Puts this CD on and it's Monty Lister interviewing <laughs> Bill Haley. What's wow. the chances of that? We're in the middle of the Arctic Circle or whatever we are, up in the north of Finland. And I thought the bass player, Mike, my bass player, I said, are you, are you winding me up? He said, no, it's his CD. It's his. I said, he said, you know this man? I said, if it wasn't here now, sitting in your car, I'd be on the radio with him in England. What's the chances of that? Amazing. What is the chances of that? Of all the CDs in all the world <laughs> and all the places it could have been, that was in that particular car. I couldn't get over it. Uh, as I say, I bought the CD off him. Uh, ten quid he charged me, which he wasn't too happy about. But um, <laughs> yeah, and the I gave it to Manchester. He said, "Oh yeah, I remember that." Yeah, there was there was two tracks on it where he was interviewing Bill Haley. I mean, that was the story of Finland. Went down well. Great gig. Uh, the people were fantastic, and we came back on the Monday. But that was that was the basic story. But I learned a bit about myself because I was waiting to go on. And they had another band on before us, the fellow playing the violin, he was very good. And they were doing skiffle from around the world, they were very talented. But they weren't going down at all. People were shouting, give us something we can share, give us some skiffle. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, they're going to... And I was thinking, but it doesn't matter, because we're not going to come back. And I thought, well, it does matter. It does matter. You know, there's no point going on unless you're going to steal the show. <laughs> and I learned about myself. We went on and we did. We did great. You know, went down the storm. An hour and a half we did. Skiffle John looked like he'd come out the car wash when we came off. He was soaked <laughs> to the skin. But he was great. But, uh, you know, and he died, sadly, uh, a while ago. But I always, I'm always grateful to have done that for him because he was a great friend, you know. Well, uh 
Finland, of course, have got uh, concerns about the fact that Russia has got all this involvement with Ukraine. So I was looking really at uh, some of the facts about uh, Finland, and apparently they've got a really, really sharp, smart air force. Uh, mightn't be the biggest in the world, but it's certainly a very good air force. And um, the, the other thought that crossed my mind is, you know, you're following a very, very old show business tradition, which is basically if you're going to do anything, you've got to have a big finish, haven't you? You've got to have a strong finish. Yeah. So yeah. our strong finish today will be you <laughs> introducing this song. So tell us what is the song and obviously your thoughts about making it. The songs. The song is the song I wrote for Skiffle John um, as a, as an appreciation of him, you know, for what because he did inspire me. So I wrote this song called "The Story of Skiffle" and recorded him singing it in my studio. And this is the this is the song. This is the record that got us the gig in Finland when he sent it there. So that was it, really, basically it. And uh, so the song this week, I'd like to put it on, let people hear. The story of Skiffle. This is a tribute to the music which in the 1950s formed the humble beginnings of the many beat groups which were to follow. It was to completely alter the path of live music forever. This is the story of Skiffle. A guitar strummed the rhythm and a tea chest was the bass And someone sang the words and melody Some thimbles and a beat-up metal washboard kept the pace When Skiffle carved its name in history We sang of greenback dolls and the mighty cumbling gap And wondered if Lost John was ever found The last train was to put old San Fernando on the map while the rest of us were Alabama bound. We sang about a freight train and the great Grand Coulee down and fought that battle down in New Orleans. We sang about a dustman and about a gambling man and ate our ham and eggs and pork and beans. While the guitar strummed the rhythm and a tea chest was the bass and someone sang the words and melody. Some thimbles and a beat-up metal washboard kept the pace When Skiffle carved its name in history We hoisted up the salty sail on the old John B Or jumped aboard the old Rock Island line We had to leave Tom Dooley hanging from an old oak tree And our Dixie darling never looked so fine A miner offered us a drink which never seemed to come as the Wabash Cannonball rolled out of sight And everybody wondered if old Lonnie's chewing gum Lost its flavour on the bedpost overnight As the guitar strummed the rhythm and a tea chest was the bass And someone sang the words and melody Some thimbles and a beat-up metal washboard kept the pace When Skiffle carved its name in history Oh, so much to you in many ways That's why we can't forget the golden days When a guitar strummed the rhythm and a tea chest was the bass And someone sang the words and melody Some thimbles and a beat-up metal washboard kept the pace 
when Skiffle carved its name in history. When Skiffle carved its name in history. When Skiffle carved its name in history. This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. <laughs>